Welcome, welcome. Welcome, welcome. And for some reason, I'm still hearing myself. But anyway, we're going to go on. You can tell me if it gets too distracting, Howie. Welcome to River City Media. Howie Cheney, Randall Cunningham. I wish I knew why I was hearing myself, but Howie, how are you? I'm doing good, Randall. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. I just put myself on uh, uh, trying to Oh, Randall's going off off key for a minute, so it's just here me by myself. So I'll give you a rundown of some of the stuff that we're going to be talking about tonight. There's a new show coming to River City Media that we're going to uh, talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about AEW last night, the Dynamite, a uh, couple of shows, and then we're also going to talk about the Atlanta Falcons off season, what we feel like they need to cover and take care of. And I see Randall's back. You back, buddy? I don't know if I'm going to hear my echo or not, but it was about to drive. No, it don't sound like it. it was about to drive me crazy. I think I had it open under one of the other screens. So if, it, if everybody hears my echo, that's what it is. You kind of recap what we're going to cover tonight. A lot to get through in an hour, but let's start with we, um, I guess, Colts fan and, and us kind of come up with a creation. And uh, we're going to be going with it soon. It'll play hour one. Uh, it will be on River City Media once a month during the off season, and then when we go live during football season, every week, the Coach Tyler Band Show, Sylvania Football. Hopefully, we're going to have video clips of each week's game, preview each week's game. Probably have some kids on here. If you think of the Coach Nick Saban Show. Kind of going to be like that, except a high school version, Howie. It should be a great show. You know, Coach Van loves doing this stuff. Uh, as you can tell, you know, he's he's one of the ones that jumps on and says, hey, when are we going to do the show? When's our next show? So uh, when you threw this out at him, he was on board. Before you could even ask, finish asking the question, he's like, when's the first show? So, yeah. it, you know, yeah, it'd be man. great to get the uh, <clears throat> be able to get the kids on there and, you know, highlight some of the kids that uh, – Maybe playing good, and you know, I hope he allows some of the offensive linemen to get on there because the, to me, the offensive and defensive linemen are unsung heroes on the football team because they get no notoriety. Well, Howie, uh, and, and we've you've heard most of the conversations we've had with Coach Van. I think we'll probably be real. Uh, the older kids uh, will get a lot of uh, chance to be on here, the seniors and juniors. But I, I think we'll get everybody on here. I think we'll have the offensive, defensive linemen. We certainly don't want to just strict it down to the quarterback, running back, and have the same people on every week. There's 35, 45 kids usually on the varsity that play, maybe the half of that. So I think at one point we'll probably get out most of the kids on here. And that's what I'm looking forward to, Howie, most. Also, the thing I'm most looking forward to is – you're in mind conversation a lot of weeks about how Sylvania plays. I, I'll, I'll get to see it now. So we'll have the video up here where you say, here was a key play in the second quarter, Randall. They blocked a punt. Right here on the screen, you'll be able to see them block that punt. Yeah, we hope so. We hope everything works out where we're able to do that. And, uh, you know, we got a long, you know, long ways to 
try to perfect it, but uh, you know, it's kind of we say it's a long ways away, but before you blink your eyes three times, we're at football season again. Yes, and while we're on this subject right now, Howie, we really got a plug. I can't believe they're doing this, but Sylvania Athletics is about to give away $10,000 to somebody. The football team and baseball teams combined together giving away uh, uh, one ticket, $100, uh, chance first place gets 10000 and then the top 10 places will receive something. I'm not sure exactly how the money is broke down, but uh, anyway, you know, um, it's a good fundraiser thing for the uh, football and baseball team. So uh, if anybody needs anything, let me or Randall know. We will contact Coach Van and get you the tickets. Absolutely. And you know what, Howie, the most, the most exciting thing about that is somebody's going to walk away $10,000. I don't know about you. $10,000 would go a long way to pay off some bills for me. Oh, absolutely. You know, and uh, $10,000 would be good to uh, invest a little bit back into the to the River City Media and, you know, uh, make things a little bit better for everybody. It would. It would. But we, we could probably get out of my house in the primary studio of River City Media. So uh, I know I know Anna Lee would very much like for us to get out of uh, – our living room as my editing uh, slash studio slash uh, everything. So uh, one thing, though, I do want to bring out before we move on, we've got a lot of cover tonight, is Coach Van and the staff willing to do this. This is this is unprecedented coverage we're going to have of Sylvania High School football. If Coach Van to do this, I told somebody today, first of all, if you're in the Sylvania region or the Fort Payne region or the North Sand Mountains, if you're anywhere in the region and you want to sponsor this, want to get involved, smash the like, give it a share. But we're also going to look for active sponsors, Howie. And and, and we haven't come up with the exact details and what we're going to do, but anybody, anybody that wants to sponsor Half the, money Half the money or more will be given to the Sylvania Athletic Department, too. So we're going to try to share. If you want to advertise with us, we'll try to offset our costs, but we're going to try to also raise money for the Athletic Department, Allie. Yeah, that's huge. You know, every, every school can always use some extra money. Every athletic department, the football club, uh, actually it's called the quarterback club, the <clears throat> the Diamond Club, I think, is what the baseball's called. The basketball's got the tip-off club. So, anyway, you know, everything that we can get, the sponsorships, you know, like I said, uh, part of it will be going back to them to help them. Uh, basically, just for donating or giving us our time to be able to do this show. Right. And just, you know, we may we may choose to give this to the volleyball team, part of it. We may choose. We'll, we'll, we'll spread it out a little bit. Coach Fan, I'm sure we'll see something, you know, in the football team. They've kind of got plenty, and, and Coach Fan be the first one to say that shares some of the love. So I'm sure we will share some of the love. Howie, I'm super excited about that. And we're going to shoot for February the 1st to have a, uh, a little bit of a show. Uh, bear with us as we work some things together. We might show some video clips or try to show some video clips. But, Howie, before we get too much longer – We'd be remiss if we didn't talk about 
Last night, we are the harpingers of AEW. We are the forefront. You did go to WWE's day one, though, which will look like a great, great, great event, Howie. It was. It was one of the better events that I've saw in quite some time. Um, you know, they had some changes that they had to do on the fly because of the fact of, uh, you know, uh, their main event star tested positive for COVID on that day. But I really think that's what made the show so much better was changing on the fly. Yeah, it wasn't so, it wasn't so programmed and didn't seem so so pigeonholed it seemed like it seemed like pro wrestling more than tv howie to me watching on watching from home yeah it, it was it, you know it was a great atmosphere the crowd was into it usually by the time you go to one of those shows and it's three hours long by the time the main event rolls around a lot of the crowd is kind of dead and don't want to be into it but listen here it was it was pretty much non-stop excitement from start to finish and uh, the crowd was really into it and the biggest pop of the night came from Brock Lesnar when he came out just you know that first couple of seconds of his music playing everybody went ballistic and then when he won the uh, world heavyweight title it, it was uh, a, a rock star atmosphere type deal when you know when they raised his hand for victory and something that you used to not see from Brock Lesnar, but I saw it that night was he was taking selfies with people around the ring. And so yeah. he's becoming yeah. more of a fan, I guess, fan-friendly type uh, entertainer, wrestler type person. And that, I feel like that's going to play huge for him if he can continue to do that. The thing the WWE, WWE has done is turn Brock Lesnar fan favorite. Fan Oh, it's absolutely. the first thing that they've done that has interested me in several years. And they're letting them talk. That's the main thing. He can talk. They just hadn't let them do it in the past because they've had, you know, the advocate, Paul Heyman, doing all the talking. But he can talk, and, and the crowd is into him. And so it, it should be really interesting to see what holds, the future holds for him. All right, Howie, it would be, uh, let's move on to AEW Dynamite on TBS. Overall, the debut of Dynamite on TBS I thought was a huge success. I almost felt like the show was booked backwards. Uh, what was your, what was your uh, thoughts? I agree. I was, uh, I was watching the main event a while ago, which was actually the, tag team championship match and I'm thinking this should have been the first match and then the first match should have been the last match it should have been the main event yeah, you know they should have just like you said just flipped everything around and you know but still overall it was a good show but after you had to follow Hangman and Brian Danielson it, it just seemed like the crowd was used all their energy in that first match and they kind of sitting on their hands the rest of it so Let's get back to that. Let's go to the first match. They sold completely the ideal of a 60-minute Ironman match that three referees, uh, of course, Big Show, formerly known as Big Show, Paul White, Mark Henry, and Jerry Lynn was sitting ringside as the three judges. When they started that thing, Howie, did you not think it would end up in those judges' hands? 
Yeah, I, I really did. And, uh, you know, it was going to be interesting to see how they actually judged it. Um, watching the show, you can see them pan over to the judges every once in a while. And you can see the crowd around them kind of looking and seeing what was being written down. And uh, But, yeah, I thought when when the match started, I thought they would go to the judges. I thought it would be another time limit draw like they had uh, what was about three weeks ago. But, uh, you know, it, it ended up being a surprise at the end. All right. It goes, I agree with you. First of all, were you shocked by the level of blood that they were, they showed on TBS? Uh, yeah, to a certain extent I was, but you know that the, the first show on TBS in how long, uh, what, 25 years, 30 years? It's been since a minute. You know, uh, they had to pull out all the stops, and I feel like last night they did just in that first match, not through the whole show, but the first match. They brought out all the stops just to keep the viewership going. So I felt like the match traded back and forth pretty equally. Of course, Danielson going for a lot of the LaBelle stuff, a lot of locks, a lot of triangle sleepers. But after about 40 minutes, it's clean bang buckshot lariat adam page over brian danielson in the middle of the ring and i gotta admit i was a little shocked how clean it was how nobody interfered it it was pretty much i i brought it back to it reminded me of the old school rick flair harley race matches you know that they would just give it all but sooner or later they would bring it to a logical conclusion. And they do bring it to conclusion. They sell at that point. Danielson's in charge of the match. He's had a draft. Uh, the dragon sleeper. He's went for the Alebel lock. Hangman gets that one minute. And, you know, folks, we know we know what it is. He gets that one break. And boom, Buckshot Lariat match over. Yeah, you know, with Daniel Bryan, Working on uh, not Daniel Brown, Brian Danielson. Sorry about that, but uh, with Brian Danielson working on that arm, I didn't know if Hangman would be able to get the buckshot lariat on him because of the way it's um, performed by coming over the top rope and everything. And so, you know, I like the way they worked that angle as far as him working on that arm, trying to make it weaker and trying to keep him from doing his finishing move. And, uh, you know, the, the blood and everything just kind of set it off, in my opinion. I'm trying to think of the right way to say this. Where do, obviously, Danielson needs to move on to something else, either as heel or face, whatever it be. Um, you got to assume that Paige is going to probably go on to a feud with Adam Cole or maybe Malachi Black or somebody. But you don't think, I don't think this is the end of it. I think there's got to be a third, uh, probably an all out. I think, I think there's going to be a time when they hang that title on the American Dragon. You just, it wasn't right. It's not timed. It's rushed. It don't feel, it don't feel right. What happened last night, actually, from a, if you're telling a storyline point of view, I think it increased the storyline. Now you've had the 60-minute draw. You've had the hangman win one. 
I wouldn't be shocked to see Hangman turn heel at some point, and maybe Danielson become the face, and maybe at All Out we see a rematch or something. But eventually, Brian Danielson is going to have that title. Yeah, you think eventually he'll have it? I just don't see him turning Hangman heel because I just don't think he can pull it off. I may be totally surprised, but uh, you know, I, I think me being a Ring of Honor fan. In, in, in following Hangman through Ring of Honor and New Japan, he's a pretty good heel. He's okay. Well, see, I, this is the first time I've ever saw him, so I don't know. I'm just going by. He's a crowd favorite right now, you know, and what, what actually put him over the top was he was a crowd favorite when he came in, don't get me wrong. But what put him over the top was when him and the Dark Order got together. Yeah, and that just really set it off. And that's something you know we need to look at is we haven't seen the Dark Order lately very much. Not much, you know, because it was uh, Brian Danielson going through the Dark Order to get to Hangman, and since that last match with one of the Dark Order members, I can't remember who it was, John Silva, I think. But uh, since that last match, you haven't saw the Dark Order out there at all. So are they getting ready to disband the Dark Order? They almost need to bring um, leadership back to it or disband it. I mean, it, it, it seems so lost without Brody Lee. God rest his soul. It was just over a year ago that we lost John Huber. And uh, they've got uh, they've 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 made the Dark Order interesting, but even their role in uh, being the elite BTE has been dying. So I agree with you. Something's got to happen some way here. Uh, you know, there's uh, there's someone that we haven't mentioned in the last little while that can come in and take over, and you know he his name hasn't been floating around as hot and heavy as it was, you know, a month and a half ago. So could it be dying down to where it's a surprise pop-in type deal? I, I think I think it is. Um, you're talking about Wendell Rotunda, the formerly Bray Wyatt. Um, I think, and, and I, I, I read a lot of the rag sheets that, that talk about wrestling. He, uh, he he's filming a movie in right now, a horror movie with a, a pretty high profile horror movie, which is I think something that interested him in doing. And it just wrapped up. Uh, he has a indie appearance with Eric uh, Rowan. I don't know what his name is on the indies. Uh, Redbeard. They're doing a indie appearance. Um, uh, no, it's actually Braun Strowman and Eric Lared that's doing the indie appearance together. So uh, two of the Wyatt family members are appearing together at an indie show. You almost think that might be the point that we see see something start to work. But, I, yeah, I, I don't think Bray Wyatt or Wyndham Rotunda's career is anything close to over. So uh, Also, there's a, the pending arrival of probably uh, another WWE NXT guy, which they've cleared NXT out, man. There's nothing left at NXT. Um, I watched NXT the other night, and I didn't even know who it was. 
I, the one person I knew who was is, I think they call him Braun Breaker, but it's uh, Braun Rick, Rick, Rick Steiner, which is the son of Rick Steiner, uh, nephew of Scott Steiner. Uh, Tommaso Chapa is still there, but Johnny Gungaro, Johnny, I can never say his name. Johnny Wrestling has now left NXT too. And I think his impending arrival at AEW, I was kind of expecting it last night, to be honest with you. You know, uh, Brian Breaker won the title piece of that. Yeah, yeah, I did see that. But, He's uh, the only anyway, thing back. I've seen in NXT that's been worth watching. They released uh, Stephen Regal and the road dog, Jesse James Armstrong, uh, yeah. today. So that NXT is over with. Uh, yeah. Let's get through the rest of the show real fast. Um, I thought the, P- the CM Punk MJF segment where <laughs> Punk comes out and calls him the match. I actually thought that was a little bit different. Hadn't yeah. saw that in a long time. He basically yeah. comes in and uh, GTS is Captain Sean D- uh, Dean. So MJF loses the match and he tells MJF basically I'm going to make sure you lose every week so you don't have to worry about a world title until you fight me. That just brings that that view to a head. At the end of it, those what I want to get to. MJF challenges CM Punk to a match with Wardlow. They played it like it was going to be MJF, MJF but it was Wardlow. The whole Wardlow, Sean Spears, MJF thing, uh, that's got to be turning Wardlow face at some point, right? Yeah, you got to feel like it does. And, and back to, you know, uh, back to CM Punk costing MJF the, uh, the you know, the match by just getting them disqualified. The one thing that they said that I didn't like was they talking about MJF is 0-1 this year. The record restarts at the beginning of ever at the beginning of the year, but then it went on in, and later on in the night, they were talking about other people's records, what what they were, and them not resetting. So you know they kind of need to get get their act straight as far as either it's going to reset or not. But you know I've never seen a uh, a match kind of end like that with uh, CM Punk doing all that. There was a lot of a lot of funny references on there, you know, as far as who could wrestle, who could. Main event WrestleMania and Roddy Piper stuff and all that stuff. I enjoyed that. Uh, probably two, two of the best talkers that's in wrestling at the moment is CM Punk and MJF. And then when you got them two both on the mic at the same time, it's just uh, it's just a show by itself. You know, I can sit back and watch that for thirty minutes at a at a time myself. Just some of the stuff they come up with. We get a appearance. A, a quick Lord Wardlow match. We get appearance from Chris Jericho. We won't stay there too long, but obviously they're going to do something with Jericho and uh, Eddie Kingston at some point. Either put them together or feud them or something, but something's coming there. Um, I, I want. I, I don't want to address this, but I am going to address it. Of course, um, some charges of of AEW not providing enough opportunity for minority talent. Let's put it that way. Is that a good way to put it? Accusations. Accusations. Uh, the next is the finals of the TBS tournament. And I don't think 
Uh, I read online people going, oh, they changed the finish. I think Jade Cargill was going to win this tournament from day one. Um, she wins it, and I don't know if you've seen the picture of her and her little girl at the yeah. end of the match. A great moment. Uh, an okay match, but a really great moment. Yeah, it, it was. And back to when you started this off, it was 100% Jade Cargill's title to lose to start with because that is who they're building the women's uh, PBS title around. Because they've got, <clears throat> they've got their namesake in Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, on, uh, with the heavyweight title, you know, being the women's champion. So this was hers. It was going to be hers from the get-go. Day one. And, huh? Day one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So it wasn't changed because of these uh, accusations of uh, pushing certain people, not pushing certain people. Uh, this was hers from the get-go. And, uh, I, you know, I was kind of surprised that uh, the way it came about as far as the finish, having a little bit of a – what wasn't a um, – Interference, but it, to a certain extent it was, but it wasn't. But, uh, you know, Jade is a phenomenal athlete, played uh, college basketball uh, in, at Florida somewhere. Um, but uh, she is, to me, she kind of reminds me of the blueprint, Bat Morgan, as far as if you're going to build a, a female wrestler, she's one that you kind of look at. There have been a lot of comparisons to her and um... – to uh, Bianca Belair, uh, Bianca being a former Tennessee track star, Jade being a, a current uh, or a former basketball player. All right, Howie, I want to spend a little time, then we'll get to the next subject. I want to spend just a minute on this. Uh, Brian Pillman, Malachi Black, and, and I'm going to reach out here, and I don't know if anybody else is seeing this. We know that Brody King is about to come former Ring of Honor Tag Team Champion. I don't think it's just him and Malachi Black that's going to be in this House of Black stable. I get the feeling somehow Brian Pillman Jr. is about to be drug out of that varsity blonde or whatever it is. And that match is somehow setting up all this is setting up maybe a, a heel turn for Brian Pillman Jr., which would make sense to me as a, the son of the loose cannon, but Malachi Black just basically crushed Brian Pillman Jr. Yeah, I, honestly, I wasn't able to see this match. Uh, I've been able, I've been having to watch what I could when I can, and that's one match that I, I wasn't able to watch. But, you know, from hearing you talk about it, it seems like it's pretty much a squash match. So that might have been why I wasn't able to see it because it happened so quick. Yeah. All right. Moving on to the finals. First of all, uh, the coronation of uh, not so much uh, Luchasaurus, but Jungle Boy. But during the match, Ray Phoenix suffers a horrific broken arm uh, at the end of it, Howie. Have you seen the video? And TBS tried to blur it, but I mean, he suffered a, a grade one dislocation where basically his hand was touching his shoulder at one point at the end of the match. So that's what um, one of my favorite performers, Ray Phoenix, I wish him a speedy recovery. And 
and it was on the uh, power bomb where at the end of the match where Lord Tresaurus, and that's the thing about it. Ray Phoenix does such crazy stuff. That was one of the more innocent spots, but you know, uh, for the folks that use the F word about wrestling, you get hurt for real. So Ray Phoenix probably going to miss an uh, extensive, extensive amount of time, but Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy win the World Tag Team Championship. Nice moment. Both his sister and his mom at ringside. And you really felt like this was a uh, putting a title on Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus was long, long overdue. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we talked about it from basically day one of the AEW coming to existence that Jungle Boy Jack Perry is their superstar. He's he's going to be a multi-multi-time champion, whether it be a tag team or a singles individual. You know, he he is the future of that company between him and MJL. And so, you know, it was great to see them win their first titles. That I, as far as I know, that's the first time titles that they've won. And uh, so it, it was great to see that. Yeah, it, it, it was. It's a, it's a very nice nice show, a good closing. And I saw some people online saying, well, this is Jungle Boy's big moment. This is far from Jungle Boy Jack Perry. You know, they've never really even took advantage of his live story on AEW. Everybody knows he's the son of Leek Furry, but there's so much more they could have have done already with him, but they're doing it the right way. I, I read something, uh, I believe it was our friend Jimmy C said that they had done the right things to build Jungle Boy into a future star. So let's just let it happen. So uh, any more comments from you on uh, AEW Diamond Eye or WWE Day One? Yeah, you know, back to the Jungle Boy real quick. To me, it seems like He's starting off kind of like uh, Bret Hart did with the Hart Foundation. But you got the Luchasaurus and him being tag team champs. And you got to feel like eventually he's going to break off on his own to the singles. And then, uh, you know, win many titles, however many titles that AEW has at the time. You got to feel like he's going to hold or touch at least one of those titles or every one of those titles at least once, if not twice. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Howie. Um, Do you hear an echo, Howie? No. All right, I got to answer a text. Okay. Okay. Um, All right, so let's right, get so let's get down to the. Down to the I think the next thing we're going to discuss is the Falcons. We're missing something. Anyway, we're going to the Falcons. I do want to mention, of course, Monday night coming up, Georgia, Alabama. That'll be more discussed in reckless speculation coming up. Howie, uh, you live in Alabama. You are somewhat an Alabama fan. Uh, what do folks down there think of the game? Everybody, everybody excited? Um, <clears throat> no. Uh, several 
die-hard Alabama people that I have talked to. And, I, and when I say die-hard, I mean they go to every game religiously. They're not looking forward to this game because it's so hard to beat the same team twice in one season. And they're, they're like, you know, they wish it could have been anybody else other than Georgia. I can see that. Um, it's going to be hard. I've picked Alabama. I won't ruin my whole pick coming up here on, a little bit on reckless speculation, but I'm looking forward to the game. If there's ever a year to Georgia to win a national championship, it is this year. Everything has played to their their favor, even including, uh, as you said, losing to Alabama in the SEC championship, now getting that rematch. Uh, you, you see in college football, winning that second game is a lot tough. So I, well, I'll go on the record right now and say that if Kirby Smart don't win the national championship, he is on the hottest seat he's ever saw. Uh, I think he's on. A, I don't. I I definitely think it gets hot. And and I, I'm actually going to talk about that in the next show. I'm with you. Uh, Stay with me, and uh, I got some definite thoughts, but you're <laughs> right. Um, I think it's um, – I think this, this is one those the now or never. game it's, in the Georgia – You know, uh, it's now or never for Georgia. This may be the most critical game in the school history. Absolutely. So. All right, Howie, uh, last subject, and we'll get off from here. But now, now before we move on, now if Kirby wins the national title, national championship, he will be the governor of Georgia the next day. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there too. 1980, last national championship for the University of Georgia. All right, Howie, uh, moving on to the Falcons real fast. And uh, word coming out of Atlanta today, uh, kind of been nondescript about it, but word kind of reported by a couple of inside sources that Calvin Ridley and the Atlanta Falcons probably want to go their own separate ways. Would you be shocked to see the Falcons move Ridley during the offseason? No, not at all. I, I was thinking the same thing today, you know, when you sent me the topics that what we're going to talk about, and I knew Ridley would probably be one of the top things, and you know, I don't know his situation or nothing like that, but uh, this is year. This is his fourth year there, if I ain't mistaken. So this is the end of his rookie contract. So uh, I, I don't see them picking him up for the fifth year. Um, you know, and so it's time to move on. We the Falcons needs to go out and get a big time receiver somewhere. What is the value? So this is my my my. This is my struggle. I think a healthy Calvin Ridley who's been playing that was putting up the numbers Calvin Ridley did prior to just walking away from the team is worth a couple of first-round picks. I think a Calvin Ridley that's out there now that has just kind of excused himself from football, I think you're going to struggle to get a first-round pick. Is he is he undervalued? because of him stepping out of the football? You know, at this point right now, I'd be happy if Antonio Brown signed with the Falcons. At least he'd be entertaining to watch. You know, at least we'd have some type of entertainment to watch. You know, whether it's him running off the field, jumping up and down, or 
uh, you know, pitches fit on the sideline. At least we'd be getting some type of entertainment out of that. But back to your question, um, I agree with you. I don't know if he's worth two first-round picks, but he's worth at least a first-round pick if he's healthy in the right state of mind. He is that good of a wide receiver. So let's start with the offense. I think the Mike Davis, we signed him for two years. He has played better of a late, of late. But at best, Mike Davis is a backup running back. Would you agree? I agree. Uh, Cordell Patterson is the starting quarter, or starting running back when we come into the training camp next season. And Cordell Patterson Cordell is Patterson. a free agent, but he he over the last forty eight hours has expressed that he very much want to finish his career in Atlanta. Um, Cordell, of course, from the University of Tennessee, and I think Cordell is. Uh, originally grew up, he's a JUCO coming to Tennessee, but I think Cordell is maybe a, I don't know, I'll Google it while, while you talk, but I think Cordell may be a, 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 a Florida kid or, or somewhere here in the South um, kid. But, I mean, could you see the Falcons signing Cordell? Cordell's yeah. term uh, contract? Yeah, because of the fact of, you know, Rocky he basically came out. I knew it was somewhere close. He, he basically came out and said he wanted to finish his career in Atlanta. Um, everybody in Atlanta right now, or not everybody, but the majority of people in Atlanta are saying sign him to a lifetime deal, you know, keep him in Atlanta for as long as we, you know, as long as he's willing to stay. Um, you know, he's, he's exciting to watch. He's a fan favorite because no matter where they go, who they're playing before the game, uh, instead of warming up, he's got the football and he's in the end zones or on the sidelines throwing the football into the crowd and getting it back. Everybody loves him. Uh, <clears throat> the last home game that we was at, he actually went into uh, the lower part there where the people hadn't been to the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Behind the benches there, there's a walk-in restaurant type place. He actually went into the crowd there and was taking selfies and and talking with people during that time. And you just don't see very many pro athletes doing that. But, you know, he's he's performing on the field. He's making it exciting. I would love to see what him and Julio and Ridley and Pitts and everybody could have done this year if it would have worked out that way. Of course, he's 30 years old, but it's a young 30. There's not a lot of – he's not a lot – played a lot of football over his career. I mean, he's been in the NFL since 2013. You know, he's kind of like a, a, a 78 pickup truck that's only been driven to the uh, church and back on Sundays. Low mileage, but, you know, kind of old, but got low mileage on him. So, you know, like I said, it's, it's a young, young 30-year-old. So he's carried the ball 149 times for 607 yards. He's had... Uh, that's missing two games as well. Yes. Uh, he's had 51 catches for 547 yards. He's got combined offense of 1,154 yards. Plus, he's still one of the most elite kick returners in the NFL when you want to put him back there and let him turn or kick. We're, we're hoping like everything. Do what? We're hoping like everything on Sunday that he uh, breaks the record. Uh, on the kick return for touchdowns. 
Uh, also, he is now became the seventh defensive or sixth defensive back in certain packages for the Falcons. So the Falcons are certainly getting their money's worth from Cordell Patterson. And, right, and the one thing that he has said. Yeah, of course, the, we'll mention the rookie Kyle Pitts, but I mean, he's there for the next 10 years as long as the Falcons keep signing him. He's a great player. And I think he's every bit of what we thought he would be as the fourth overall pick. I think he's a little bit more than what we anticipated because, I mean, he's he's got over a thousand yards and he's not even playing really half of the snaps yet. Um, I don't I don't really know the reason behind that, but there's a lot of goal line time, goal line instances. He's not even in the game, and uh, he'll miss a series or two in a row. I'm not sure why, but he's not even playing really half the snaps, and he's already got a thousand yards. So, uh, Russell Gage is a veteran that's probably, but all those guys, I mean, Russell Gage is probably the best one, but Zacchaeus and that whole bunch is kind of third, a bunch of third wide receivers now, in my opinion. They are. There's there's no number two. Russell Gage is a true number two receiver, and everybody else, Zacchaeus and uh, Hall and Sharp and everybody else are basically, you know, the third receiver on the team and you know that's something you know two years ago you wouldn't have thought the Falcons would be interested in signing a wide receiver a big name wide receiver but as of right now they have to they do offensive line absolutely horrible how he invested two first round picks what three years ago yeah. uh, number of seven overall pick a few years ago on the left side Offensive line is as bad as it gets. Yeah, yeah. Started off season really bad. Seems like they're getting a little better. I mean, very little. Uh, you know, they're halfway through the season. They were swapping Hennessy in and out at center, trying to see which which one would be better. And Hennessy, you know, just basically won the job. And uh, like I said, you know, three years ago. We used two draft picks on the right side of the line, and it really hadn't panned out. Million-dollar question. Could you even bring a quarterback in behind that offensive line and let him play? Because Matt Ryan ran for his life this year. It would have to be somebody that has some good wheels on him because he's not going to be able to set up and pass or anything like that. He's got to be able to be on the run. Right now, the Falcons are scheduled for the tenth overall pick. What do you spend that pick on offense or defense? And we'll go through the defense real fast after this. Um, I'm thinking defense myself. So, if uh, there's no one with the tenth overall pick at the quarterback position that you, I mean, granted, there's probably two guys out there that's an option, but. We need help defensively. So let's go through the defense. Up front, Grady Jarrett's Grady Jarrett. Besides that, it's it's a bunch of okays. Did anybody take a step to be not okay, be a little better than okay? Up front on the defensive line, no, not at all. Nobody. Grady Jarrett's the most consistent defensive lineman that we have. Uh, 
to a certain extent. The other defensive lineman, he's the only one that's played all year. Greg's the only one that's played all year. Everybody else has either been out because of hurt or been on the COVID protocol or some reason like that. So Greg's the only one that showed up uh, day in, day out. Everybody else is, uh, you know, you call them okay. I don't even call them okay. I, I just call them there. Their bodies. That, I, I think yeah. that's the way you put it. And the uh, biggest disappointment to me is Dante Fowler. Yes. All the money Atlanta has put into Dante Fowler, he does not. He does not spring off the player. You don't know he's on the field. It's not like a, it's not like a Aaron Donald or a JJ. You just don't know he's there, and he makes that kind of money. Right, absolutely. You know, and, and Atlanta is on schedule to finish with the least amount of sacks in the history of the NFL with 17, I think, right now. So most of the year up front, it has been Grady, Tyler Jarrison, uh, or Taylor Davidson, Tequan Graham, Marlon Davidson, Jonathan Bullard, uh, linebackers. Uh, strong side will start there with Dante Fowler, which is really a rush end. Uh, he's been backed up by Copeland. Let's go through the linebackers. Of course, you got DJ and Ofosita. I can't say his name. And Steven. Thought the deep, I thought the linebackers played a little better at times this year, other than Fowler. Yeah, Aluakon. Foyer Aluakon played really good this year. He stepped up. He is the uh, leading tackler in the NFL. Um, Deion Jones. At times, he played well. Yeah, uh, Deion Jones, I, I just feel like um, we've wasted a lot of money on him right now because he's just, to me, he's undersized. And uh, he's a lot of tackles he should be making, he's not. Um, that could be a spot where they could move on from, I feel like. Anybody uh, other than uh, who you mentioned, uh, anybody jumped out to you this year? Um, Michael Walker has played really well. Uh, when he when they let him on the field, he's played really well. And uh, Foyer Aluakon, like I said, he is uh, he's really stepped his game up this year. And uh, you know, I kind of wish that they would have kept Devontae Campbell and let maybe let Deion Jones walk because that would have been two huge linebackers out there. On the backside, AJ Terrell. Harmon, Hawkins, and Moray. Of course, uh, second-round pick, Richie Grant. Never really cracked the starting lineup, but I thought Terrell really – the two corners, I thought, up to game both corners. But especially Terrell, for me, just giving him grief after year one. Played well. Yeah, um, you know, the new thing out and about in Atlanta now is Terrell Holland. Because, you know, he's he should have been a Pro Bowl selection. He wasn't, uh, you know, Diggs from Cowboys ended up making it. Yeah, Diggs has got a ton of interceptions, but he's given up over 1,000 yards receiving this year. And uh, uh, last time I checked and last time I saw, A.J. Terrell has only given up uh, like a couple hundred yards receiving so far this year. Yeah, Terrell's had a, A.J.'s had a great year. Um, 
If you're going to take that first pick, 10th overall, which unit do you think you could spend that pick on and have the most um, effect? I trade out of that 10th pick. I try to get stockpile some second round picks. Um, unless there's just somebody out there on the defensive side of the ball that, uh, you know, is a surefire can't miss type person. We got to go defense. We got to get some help on the defensive side of the ball. I feel like on the offensive side, the offensive line, we're going to address it by free agency, proven players, not shot in the dark players. But, uh, you know, at one point I would say we should we should take one of those defensive linemen from Michigan. But then after they played against Georgia, there were zero factors in the game. So, I, you know, I don't really know, you know, uh, the kid out of the – Get out of Alabama slip from my mind now. The uh, defensive lineman um, has got all the sacks. Will so he's Anderson, not coming out this year. Will Anderson Jr.? Yes. Uh, you know, uh, he would be one that I might spend on, but he's just a uh, – he's not coming out this year. So, you know, I say trade back. So, if I told you the Falcons need the following things in the draft, Defensive help up front. Hey, they're probably going to let Hayden Hurst walk at the end of the year. A mm -hmm. second tight end to go with Kyle Pitts, which to Atlanta is going to be a two tight end offense, folks. Kyle Pitts is going to be on there, but there's going to be another tight end on the field. A wide receiver and a running back. Would you agree with that? Everything except for the running back. I'm not sure about the running back right now because uh, Olison is still in the play there in Atlanta. He's getting a few more touches than he did earlier in the season. If he can prove himself, then that would be one thing off the draft board we wouldn't have to worry about is a running back. A wide receiver, yes, we need to go out and get somebody. Uh, you know, defense, yes, we need to get a little bit more help. Um, so. You know, it's uh, it's all great, but it it all come down to the salary cap. You know, how much will it be, and how much room we can uh, free up to sign some of these that we got to sign to keep, and then let the others walk. Uh, of course, the Falcons hold two second round picks, one first round pick. The name that I've most closely seen them tied to is actually a defensive back uh, out of Notre Dame. Kyle Hamilton, and I've also seen them tied to a couple of the rush-ins, one out of Purdue. Um, but I I, I I, would not mind trading back and just – I'm almost frustrated with how many times we've drafted edge. seems like we draft an edge rusher every year. Uh, and I'm not sure we just don't need to go find some big defensive tackles and just get our pressure other ways because – this football team seems cursed to spend 9,000 picks on the edge rushers and never get one. Sadly to say, the year we went to the Super Bowl, uh, Dwight Freeney, at almost 40 years old, came in and played a lot of edge for us. Yeah, it all started back in 19, I will say 1988 with the drafting of uh, Andre Bruce. 
out of Auburn with the number one overall pick, and he didn't do nothing. And seemed like ever since then we we haven't picked a a edge rusher or a defensive lineman that in the first round that's been really worthy of sticking around. Uh, we have really been a lot of equity on some not very good football players. Uh, another another option, Howie, and then we'll get we'll close it out and go away. And I've I've seen this banded around a little bit. What if you went and got a uh, Derek Stingley Jr. or somebody, another cornerback that was as elite as AJ Terrell, and then just set your defense on to be. You've got two covered corners. You're going to play nine on nine, and you're going to let those guys live out there on the island. I, I kind of like that idea, too. It'd be great, but they got to be able to cover their man for possibly for a long time because you know, as well as I do, the Falcons are not going to get any pressure on the quarterback. The, the worst was the game we were at. We could not, the, we made the line, the offensive line, look like an all pro. Um, right. So, all right, Howie, we're right, finishing right. up for the night. Anything else you want to bring up about the Falcons? Happy, happy with the coaching staff? Yeah, overall, it seems like the coaching staff is okay. Um, you know, it, it's kind of proven to the point right now. It's not necessarily the coaches that has uh, been the issue in Atlanta. This is the third round of coaches that we've had, and some of the players are the same that's been there. So. That tells me right there that it ain't necessarily the coaching. It could be the players. We really didn't talk about him, but the million-dollar question, the last question of the night, is Matt Ryan under center first snap of 2022 for the Atlanta Falcons? I feel like he will be just because they'll want to draft or bring somebody in to be under – to work behind him, be his understudy, be, you know, the tutelage of Matt Ryan. Regardless of what everybody says, Matt Ryan is a good quarterback. Is he great? He's on the borderline of being between good and great. You know, I saw a comparison the other night where if Matt Ryan was the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers, how many Super Bowls would they have right now? A bunch. You know, so, you know, and you know, as well as I do, Big Ben, no disrespect to him, but he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. And so, you know, it's one of those scenarios that you put, hey, let's let's say if Matt Ryan was the quarterback of San Francisco 49ers, they would be going in the playoffs as probably as the number one seed. Yep, I agree with you. I agree with you. All right, Howie. All right. Uh, next week we'll try to get back on par probably with some coaches coming on the show. But for this week, it was good to get on here and absolutely plan nothing and just roll it out. Absolutely. For Howie Chaney, for Randall Cunningham, for AEW, for the Atlanta Falcons, good night.